One of the things that we decided right off the bat when we started this podcast was we would not let just anybody sponsor us. To get on here and be a sponsor, you have to share the same values and you have to have the same heart uh, as we do. And you have to be providing something that's very important to us. And coffee is very important to us. And that's why we've been very happy to have Juniper Mountain Trading Post Coffee as our personal sponsors here on the channel. They're the company that provides all the coffee for the school. It's the coffee that we drink personally at home. And, uh, and we're very, very happy. They're a family-owned company that does everything themselves. And they have the same standards and the same heart that we do. So if you're looking for a, a quality coffee company, uh, go to junipermountaincoffee.com. And when you check out, make sure that you plug in and type in Dry Creek, all one word, for a 10% discount. Good morning. Dwayne here, Dry Creek Wrangler School. It's uh, Sunday morning, and we got new batch of students coming in this afternoon for class. And it's nice and cool and overcast today for a change. It rained last night. So I'm going to take the opportunity and make a video now this is a video i don't want to make this is something that's been on my mind for several weeks now and i just this is not my comfort zone i, I don't do this and i but i need to all right um i started this because i have a heart for young people and uh, a heart to help young people and to counsel them and point out traps and that they might be fixing to step into or point out ways to get out of traps that they've already stepped into. And, uh, you know, that was my heart from the beginning. I didn't get on here to uh, push my way of doing things. I didn't get on here to attack anybody, nothing like that. But I feel like there's something that I need to point out in... Uh, that's going on today. That's affecting a lot of people. All right, especially young people. But I'm going to tell you a story first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up the background on this. All right. Uh, several years ago, we, my wife and I, we lived in Alaska. And I had a friend out there. I liked him. And I very much respected him. All right. I'm going to start out with that. We had acquired 10 acres of land out of Talkeetna, remote from from him and his wife. Uh, you parked, you drove as far as you could, and you parked, and then you hiked or rode snow machines or four-wheelers in the rest of the way. That's where it was. And we were getting ready to build a cabin on that property. So now my wife and I were down in on the Kenai Peninsula getting everything ready to move out there and start building. And I got a text from him one morning. They said, I killed three grizzly bears this morning. Now, stop and grasp the full weight of that. I killed three grizzly bears this morning. And uh, so I called him, and I'm like, dude, what the heck? Now, he lived in a cabin that was down on the uh, the Matsu River, and uh, he uh, had his wife and he had they had two children of their own and they had several 
uh, foster children, about five foster children, I think, at that time. And uh, they were, I don't know, a quarter mile, half mile through the woods, not that far, quarter mile through the woods from where our cabin site was. And uh, they were in the cabin one night, and then about three o'clock when the fire, y'all don't worry about the flies. It's just a reality of ranch life, all right? About three or four o'clock in the morning, I, I think, if I remember right, um, the dogs started barking. Now, you have dogs. We had dogs, and dogs bark. That's what they do, especially in Alaska. If you're living out in the bush, critters come through, and and uh, but there's a bark, and then there's a bear bark. And it don't take long. It don't take long to tell the difference. And this was the bear bark. So he got up, got his clothes on, picked up his lever action, Marlin, 1895-4570, and stepped out the door. Now, this is Alaska in the summertime, so there's light. It's not like here. Uh, it's light he can see. And so the dog is tied up right out in front of the cabin door there. So he goes out there with his rifle, and he's standing there by the dog, checking to see what's going on. And uh, all of a sudden, out of the bush, right straight in front of him, about less than 40 yards away, two grizzly bears come charging out at full charge. Um, sight shoulder to shoulder. He jerks his rifle up, shoots the one, it peels off, drops the rifle, works the lever, and at that point, the second one is so close, he has to fire from the hip. It peels off the other way. Um... So, like I said, he's got a house full of kids and stuff, and he can't have two wounded grizzly bears just out there around. So he calls his wife out, gives her a 12-gauge shotgun with slugs in it, and puts her on a tall stump and uh, with a cell phone. And, uh, and then he goes off in the bush looking for these grizzly bears. Uh, so he goes off the first one he shot, and he finds it over, and it's dead. He drilled at Plum Center. Um, and so he comes back around where the other one had peeled off, and he looks around and digs it, and he finds that one, and it's dead. So he calls up there in Alaska, if you kill a grizzly bear that, you know, you're not hunting, you don't have a tag or license for, you got to call Fish and Wildlife. And they got to come out and investigate whether it's a DLP, it's a defense of life and property, whether it was a legitimate shoot or not. So he calls, um, he calls Fish and Wildlife, um, Fish and Game. And, uh, and the other thing is, if you kill one, even if it is a DLP, you have to skin the bear out and you have to deliver the bear skin, the skull, and the claws, all the claws, to the nearest office. Okay, the nearest uh, wildlife office. So he had a mini excavator there. One of these bears was over eight foot. All right, it was big. So he drags these bears in up to the cabin. Fish and Wildlife told him start skinning them out anyhow. So he was doing that. And while the excavator, so he tied chain and picked part of it up so he can get to it and skin it out. Excavator's idling. He's down there. And uh, he said the hairs on the back of his neck just stood up. And he turned around, and about seven paces away was another grizzly bear stalking like a cat coming up behind him. 
So he yelled, jumped over, grabbed his rifle, which he had leaned against the cabin, spun around and shot that bear. Fish and Wildlife said they figured it was during breeding season and they figured that they had been fighting all night mating. The last bear he shot was a younger, smaller bear and the two boars, there was a sow and two boars. The two boars had been fighting for the right to, to mate the sow. And uh, the little one had finally been dr driven off and the other two were just all fired up from mating and fighting and everything. And they heard the dog barks. So they come in to get the dog. Uh, and then the little one smelled the blood after the first two were dead. So he thought maybe here was his chance. So he came in. And, uh, but they didn't reckon with Dennis. Now, let me tell you about Dennis. Dennis was raised a Mennonite. Now, he had left the Mennonite church at that point, and he was just a Christian. Dennis wasn't a real big fella. He wasn't a little fella. He just average size. Um, He was quiet and soft-spoken. Never heard him raise his voice. Never saw him get angry. Um, He had no tattoos. He didn't drink a drop of alcohol. He didn't use any type of tobacco. Never heard him use a swear word. Uh, he loved his wife and he loved his kids. And he was, could do, he's one of those guys that could do about anything you could imagine with his hands, it seemed like. He could take a chainsaw and a draw knife and uh, build a cabin. He did it while I was there. Uh, the best man with a chainsaw I've ever worked with in my life. Uh, if I was about to go into a situation that was going to get hairy, I would want to stand shoulder to shoulder with Dennis. I would not stand shoulder to shoulder with Andrew Tate. Now, I'm not going to talk about his charges. I'm not going to talk about him going to jail. I don't think he did this. I don't think he did that stuff. I don't think um, he held anybody against her will or kidnapped anybody or did any of that. That don't matter. You know what the dangerous type of lie in the universe is? The most dangerous type of lie in the universe is the one that has the most truth in it. The most dangerous people out there are people who take a lie and wrap it all up in truth and deceive you. Andrew Tate likes to call himself the most dangerous man the most dangerous man in the world. But he cannot be the most dangerous man in the world because he's currently the loudest man in the world. And the dangerous man is never the loudest man. You hear what I'm saying? I'm saying that you need to be careful about who you follow. In my experience, I don't care how big a fella is, I don't care how tough he is in a ring where there's rules and there's referees looking out for stuff. I don't care how much he works out. I don't care how much he walks around without a shirt on. I don't care how big his tattoos are. The louder he is, the more insecure he is inside. And when I see Andrew Tate, I see an extremely, extremely crippling, insecure man. Now you say, Dwayne, he, he puts off such extremely secure vibes. I know. 
but a secure man don't have to put off vibes. A tough man is not going to always tell you how tough he is. He's not going to get online and keep showing you clip after clip after clip of him hitting a punching bag, of him uh, winning in fights and knocking people down. He, you into drinking games? I'm not, but some people are. Look, here's a drinking game, okay? Get you a bottle of whatever you drink, set it in front of you. Every time that man says Bugatti, take a drink. See how far you get through the video. Why does he constantly have to bring up his money? Why does he constantly have to point out his supercars and his women and then his money? Why does he have to stand there with his shirt off showing you his muscles all the time? Why? What is he so insecure about? When it comes time for the stuff to hit the fan, and it's going to hit the fan, you want a quiet, secure man that knows what he's doing. When, when I see him, when I see people talk about how he's helped young men, all I see is, all I see, the only um, examples I see given by him, and I haven't watched all this stuff. There could be others, okay? Uh, is how much money they're making. I help them make money. He's all about money. Of course, he leaves out the fact that he started making money by being a pimp. I don't think he's a pimp now. I think he's changed a lot of stuff. He's saying a lot of... But how much of that is image rehabilitation? And how much is, is that real, sincere, mature, and growing? It's not fully mature and growing because if it was, he would get on there and he would publicly say, I did wrong. Now, maybe he has. I haven't seen it, okay? A real man would say, look, this is what I did. This is how I got my start. I own all these he talks about his investments and he talks about the money he's making and the property he owns. But I got my star by pimping women on the internet. So it's a poison well. But young men, they, they don't need help. The core problem today is not a lack of money. Now, money's helpful, money's good. But I've watched him, I've watched him on two or three different occasions say, if you're not rich, you're either a fool or you're lazy. Only a fool would say that. Andrew Tate is a fool. My dad wasn't a fool. And my dad dang sure wasn't lazy. But he wasn't rich either. Because he didn't live his life for himself. And he did not extort people and use people. He did not get on the backside of internet somewhere with women and take people for their money. He served people. So he died poor. So any jack wagon that gets on the internet with his shirt off and calls men like my dad and men like you have probably known your whole life either lazy or fools because they're not crooked and degenerate like Andrew Tate is, because they're not rich. The man's a fool. And why in the world would you follow a fool? A loud, arrogant 
fool. Now you say he's rich. <laughs> Hoss, there's a lot of thieves out there that are rich. All right. Now Tate can do his own thing. And I'm not going to address this subject again. And I'm not going to get into some kind of something with him on the internet. I'm just talking to you. And I'm just pointing out to you the reality of mankind, the reality of the world, and the reality of truth is that the most dangerous man in the room is never, ever, ever the loudest man in the room. The loudest man in the room is the most insecure man in the room. And that's why they put off so much flash and, and uh, vibe. So you do what you want. Tate can do what he wants. I'm going to do what I want. But I'm just pointing out that's a trap. And then you do, you do what you got to do. Okay? I got no beef against him personally. All right? Uh, but I would I just point out the truth. That's what I do. All right? And uh, so I'm going to stop there. That's more than I wanted to do. Um, but uh, we what, done let my cigar go out. Now my lighter's kind of sputtering on me. But what I got here today is um, a Charter Oak Connecticut Shade, my early morning breakfast cigar uh, from uh, CigarPlace.biz. That's where I got these from. People ask me all the time, Dwayne, if I want to start out with an inexpensive but quality hand-rolled cigar that's not too strong and too rich, I'm pointing them to these Charter Oaks, all right? And they have the Habano, they have the Maduro, and they have the Connecticut Shade. But the Connecticut Shade is just mild and smooth and affordable, all right? The other thing is I want to remind you guys that in December, Mom and I are going to be in Vegas at the Cowboy Christmas. We're going to be setting up... Uh, we're going to be there at the booth of uh, Rand's Custom Hatters, um, and uh, we're going to spend about three days there. So if you're in the area, come by and see us. And uh, and the last thing is, we I mentioned on the last video, we are going to be putting out t-shirts soon. And uh, so I've got a guy helping me get the internet side of that up. And uh, so we're going to have that up anytime now, shortly. And I'll let you know in case that's something y'all be interested in. All right? So until then, be wise, be wise, study, study, all right? Uh, don't just take anything at the surface. Uh, me, don't just take me at the surface, all right? Check it out. Think critically. Uh, listen and, and uh, think for yourself. And there's a lot of deceivers out there. There's a lot of deceivers. And if a man wants to help you, listen to this. If a man wants to help you, if you're a young man, boy, these flies, I'm telling you. If you're a young man trying to find your way and you're struggling, and somebody says, I will help you, it's going to cost you this much. And the man already has seven supercars and who knows how many houses and how many millions of dollars. And he takes a young man, 21 years old, 20 years old, 17 years old, struggling in life, trying to get there, and he says, I want to be your Messiah. That'll cost you this much a month. That's a bad heart. That is a bad heart. So be wise, all right? Be logical. Be reasonable. 
be safe and have fun. We'll catch you guys next time.